The Pentagon says that today's call-up is a precautionary measure to strengthen our forces. The 14,000-odd reservists is only a drop in the bucket compared to the pool of reservists that could be activated. But with the military beef-up, the agonizing search for a diplomatic solution to the crisis continues, as Frank Reynolds has noted. But if that diplomacy fails, what would our options be? What military action is being considered? ABC's Bill Downs reports. If it's up... If it's left up to the military to force release of the USS Pueblo and her crew, the options are few and highly dangerous. The Pueblo probably is in this dock area of Juan San, a port said to be defended with 16-inch guns. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I am Joe, and with me today is Justin Rose from the Everything is Awful podcast. And yeah, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> and... Uh, various uh what you do a hockey blog now don't you yeah i uh am the editor-in-chief of beer league talk which is a uh it's a podcast and a website with writing geared towards uh your typical beer league hockey player a beer league all-star on the show today um and sitting across me i have a cardboard stand-in of superman uh which i found in my garage so that's nice i'm not alone in the office anymore Uh, (laughs) um also, you uh, you were in the Marines uh, back in the day, and that was so that makes you the closest thing this show has to a naval expert, which is why you're on the show today. I I feel suddenly very attacked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you couldn't tell from the title of this episode, we were talking about the USS Pueblo incident. Um, and they, so that for people who are not aware, the USS Pueblo is the only American ship still currently on the commission roster as an active ship and is currently held by an enemy nation. The nation is North Korea uh, and how it got there is, and the story of its crew is just fucking wild. Um, now, w- while you were a Marine, were you ever like on a ship? Uh, I know it's not something that everybody has to suffer through, but. Uh, no, because I was the worst of the worst Marines. I was actually a Marine reservist. Uh, so I've never been afloat. It sounds like you did the right thing. Oh yeah. No, I think if I was an active duty Marine, I'd either be dead or a meth addict by now. So, uh, good things all around. Yeah. Just smoking fat bowls of crayons. Um, (laughs) Uh, now, how familiar? I mean, I think some people are kind of familiar with the Pueblo, but were you at all familiar with the story before I slid into your DMs? Uh, actually, no, I had not heard about it at all. Um, and when you originally sent it to me, I'm like, I don't give a shit about Mexican history. Uh, <laughs> but apparently, uh, it's an American ship, which Donald Trump would hate. Um, but no, so yeah, I had no actual insight into this story. It's actually kind of interesting that we don't hear more about like getting the Pueblo back with all these talks that we're having because like it's come up before in the past, like, uh, that they would give the Pueblo back. And I don't even know if it, it even could still sail anywhere, but it's interesting that nobody ever talks about it anymore. But, and the North Koreans like to bring it up, but, um, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, North, North Korea, not the best Korea, it turns out. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> to get to get to the point, we kind of have to explain what the Pueblo is, and it was not a warship, um, or at least not as much as a warship as is possible while still being a ship in the U.S. Navy. It was known as a banner class environmental research ship, uh, which were little more than retrofitted cargo ships. Uh, they, these things weren't exactly going to go out and fight wars. Now, as a few listeners probably already know, uh, these ships or 
the entire banner class actually was a lie. Uh, they were actually spy ships created by the Department of Defense and the National Security Agency, or the NSA. Uh, they were named environmental research ships on paper uh, because, you know, you just don't put fucking spy ship really big on paperwork. Um, and defeats the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, like, uh, the Soviets... Uh, who these ships are normally the target of totally knew what they were, um, which is kind of apparently the thing of Cold War spying. Like everybody knew what everybody was doing most of the time, but they just let it slide. Um, but because this is the Cold War, um, like I said, it's kind of an open secret. Everybody knew what these environmental research ships were. Um, so uh, eventually the Pueblo was strapped on this as much spy equipment uh, as that could hold and station in Japan. And this is uh, an obviously a high target for spying and intelligence gathering. Uh, the Soviet Union maintained a fleet nearby. And North Korea was so close, they were literally ca- kidnapping Japanese people from beaches from time to time. Uh, have you ever heard of that before? Um, I think I have. But I also think a lot of things that I think I know that I didn't actually know. So, uh, yes. So it is kind of wild, like back in the day, uh, normally like the 60s, 70s, um, North Korean like commandos would just come up, uh, come up like afloat on Japanese beaches and just snatch random people and bring them back to North Korea. And like their whole plan was to use these poor, kidnapped, terrified Japanese civilians to like teach their spies how to be uh, like totally for real Japanese so they could like insert spies in Japan. Um I think the rant, like your everyday North Korean didn't know because they've never fucking seen anybody other than North Koreans or the occasional Russian that wandered by. But uh, I I think it was like 20 years ago or something. It was when uh, Kim Jong-il was still, or no, sorry, um, the middle middle Kim. I forget his fucking name right now. Um, But uh, he uh, promised the Prime Minister of Japan that he would totally bring all these Japanese people uh, like back and like prove to them that they weren't evil anymore but with like a, a, a sworn promise they'd get to go to Japan like visit their family and then they'd come back and like of course they didn't fucking come back <laughs> like, they, they yeah, like, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, by the way I looked it up it, uh, the middle Kim was actually Kim licensed to ill uh, which was <laughs> obviously the, the demo Kim yeah I, I prefer his new stuff <laughs> his, his son killing his uncle with an anti-aircraft gun but Anyway, uh, so uh, the first the, the crew's first real mission would be led by a Captain Lloyd Boucher, uh, who spent his entire career in submarines. Um, uh, the Pueblo is decidedly not a submarine, and Boucher was not happy to be there. In the 1960s, the U.S. Navy was switching all of their submarines from conventional power to nukes, and uh, apparently to be, and I'm sure somebody's going to tell me I'm completely wrong about this, but uh, to to be in command of a nuclear submarine, you had to go through um, like new extensive training, and they weren't giving that to everybody who was on the old subs. Um, Butcher happened to be one of the people who did not fit the new training mold. Um, so when he be- he finally uh, ranked up to get his first command, they stuck him on a retrofitted cargo ship, which I think is like the biggest naval fuck you I've seen for a promotion. And, you know, and like, honestly, the, I'm I'm shocked that the Navy was so like progressive on that, because like, if this is a big change in the army, as I'm sure, you know, they would have just given Butcher the command of something he had no idea how to use. I mean, like back in the day, they made honest to God to horse cavalry officers into tank commanders like overnight. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. And I mean, in the modern army, you have lieutenants coming fresh out of college, getting put in charge of infantry platoons, which is definitely uh, a good idea. I once had a tank commander who was made a lieutenant with a music degree. I wasn't even aware they gave degrees in music. Uh, I mean, at least music like requires some ability to uh, process information very quickly and like do something physical as a result. I was a legal studies major. I basically am really good at arguing esoteric facts, um, which I guess also makes me a great soldier. So never mind. Carry on. <laughs> I have a degree in history, so tell me which one of those three we just named is the is the most useless, and I'll probably agree. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, while, Bush, while Boucher had no idea what he was doing, he was at least surrounded by 83 uh, seamen who were supposed to know what they were doing, like operate a ship, right? Wrong. Totally wrong. It turns out that less than half of the Pueblo's clue, crew had actually been on any real missions before this one, or had done anything other than basic training uh it, it was the for many of them it was their first time even out at sea um like when they went from san diego to japan that was like their first time on a boat and they're in the navy uh so there <laughs> there was like nobody on the ship that knew what the fuck they were doing so with that <laughs> a wonderful way to start the the mission they set off on the 5th of january 1968 uh, and they went to waters right off the coast of the Korean uh, demilitarized zone or DMZ. Uh, they were completely alone. Um, now, as you can imagine, they're supposed to be a spy ship. So having like a whole bunch of destroyers and planes circling above them uh, would kind of be a dead giveaway that it's not a cargo ship. Um, yeah, that might give away their actual intent. Yeah. Uh, the ship was supposed to sail up and down the North Korean coast, taking careful precautions not to actually get within 13 miles of uh, the coast, which is what the international law says is your country's waters, but just something I actually didn't know until I was researching this episode. Um, so you don't watch the Simpsons. Uh, so the, the episode where Homer became a fucking submariner. That was awesome. Yeah. That's where they had the uh, monkey knife fights on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume that that is actually standard, like standard operating procedure for all naval ships. Uh, somewhere some yeah. ensign has to sign for the, the knife fighting monkeys. They're serialized items. They're actually something that you have to uh, sign a hand receipt for. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because, like, Marines enlist and end up becoming the knife-fighting monkeys. And, you know, it's not something that they're ever prepared for. Um, no, no, you can't prepare for something like that at all. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that they do was, like, at night, they had to stay further away just in case. Uh, all of this was made really, really difficult by the inexperienced crew. Only two sailors on the entire ship, to include the captain, had any kind of navigational experience and knew what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> so, the guy you kind of want well-rested and, like, have his head about him is up all the time because he's the only one who knows how to read a fucking compass. Um, <sighs> which is ironic because, like, as an enlisted guy, we always joke that officers have no fucking idea, like, how to navigate. And apparently in the Navy, it's the complete opposite. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no. So, yeah. And the Navy, from what I understand, uh, nobody knows what they're fucking doing, uh, including the enlisted, which is always a nice break from uh, the army, which only the enlisted do know what they're doing. And that's relative. I mean, I was enlisted. And I was fucking terrible at my job. I, I, I only survived through sheer dumb luck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so did my soldiers. So thanks, guys, for making me look good. 
<laughs> so, uh, despite the rough going uh, for this mission to start, uh, the mission seemed like it was kind of a success, at least. Uh, for weeks, the Pueblo sat undisturbed, monitoring and gathering tons of information and communications being passed by the North Korean military. Um, that was until the 21st of January, when a North Korean jet buzzed right over the top of the ship. Um, that is what is known, I believe, in the business as a fucking clue. Like, you should leave. Yes. <laughs> yes, that uh, you're an author. So in the literary world, that is foreshadowing. <laughs> yes, that is, that is very good. That is foreshadowing. Uh, instead of doing what anyone else do and gotten the fuck off out of there as soon as they could, the Pueblo just kept on sitting there. Uh, probably not a good command decision. Now, I, I have, I didn't, uh, Boucher wrote a book about this. I did not read it. Uh, and I'm willing to bet that he was told probably not to leave. But I mean, even then, you should probably leave. Uh, if that wasn't enough, a group of fishing trawlers sailed right at them before like turning off last second. Like they fucking played ship chicken. Um, do you. Do you know what the name of those rice trawlers were? Did you come across this in your studies? I did not. The two North Korean trawlers were called the Rice Paddy 1 and the Rice Paddy 2, which is really... Uh, God damn it. <laughs> how would you say? Not, not not at all an unobvious name if you were trying to like trick people like, oh, uh, what are we going to call our ship? I don't know. Let's just call it the Rice Paddy 1 and 2. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the North Koreans are not known for their... their good names for things like all of them are either named after a Kim or like the communist party <laughs> or, or also apparently rice at this point you have to kind of start believing that they're fucking on to you uh, every, at this point everybody in fucking North Korea knows who you are and what you're doing there now if you're thinking that Butcher took the clue and left you're new to the show uh, they did nothing. They didn't change course or abandon their mission at all. They just kept putting up and down the fucking coast like nothing happened. Um, maybe he still thought he was in a submarine or something. Like, no, nope, they can't see me. Uh, I, 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 it blows my mind that he just kept going through the mission. Um, in defense of him, though, uh, and I don't know if you were going to bring this up, but uh, unbeknownst to Captain Butcher at that time, uh, the North Koreans tried to assassinate uh, South Korean President Park Chung-hee. They sure uh, did. I was just about and, to get to that. <laughs> yeah, and like, like unbeknownst to Captain Butcher, all that's happening. Um, so his his higher element kind of failed him in that regard. Too. Yeah, if you have an active spy mission, since you just covered that, uh, I, won't, I won't cover it again, but like, if you have a fucking spy mission going on off the coast of North Korea and someone sent in a team of fucking commandos to murder the president of South Korea... You want to like drop him a line because it it's either he's really bad at his job. Maybe he thought the North Koreans are like the T-Rexes from Jurassic Park and only had motion based eyesight. Um, but there's a good idea that like the North Koreans are definitely preparing for war. Um, nobody decided to fucking tell him. Absolutely nobody. Um uh, So if people are not aware of like the assassination attempt, um, the North Koreans actually tunneled underneath the DMZ. And let out like teams of commandos to storm the Blue House, which is uh, like the their version of the White House, um, to try to kill the South Korean president. Uh, so yeah, tensions again were, with with the Koreans and the great naming of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, tensions were pretty fucking high, uh, but nobody decided to tell the, the crew of the Pueblo that they were about to be caught, possibly in the middle of what could turn into World War Three. 
uh, that kind of warning may have given the crew time to, I don't know, man their battle stations, which they absolutely had not have done. But still, their best option was to get the fuck out of North Korean waters as fast as they could. Um, but uh, real quick before we go on, I have to kind of talk about these battle stations because remember, this is supposed to look like a research vessel. It doesn't have turrets anywhere. It has a couple 50 caliber machine guns. That's about it. Um, but uh, those 50 cals were stored away like uh, in, at the lowest decks of the ship and like wrapped in tarps and shit to protect them from cold water or cold weather. Um, and their ammunition was stored below them as well. So, uh, even, so here's the problem. Even if they were given time, like, hey, uh, they just tried to mark the South Korean president. You might want to get ready to have to fight. Uh, nobody knew how to use the fucking guns except one guy. One fucking guy on the ship had ever used these guns before, and that's only because he had just left the U.S. Army. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to raise my hand here, though. To be fair to the Navy, I was an infantry officer, and I don't even think I knew how to use the 50 cal. That is a needlessly complicated weapon system. They, it, yes, they are. But they've they, actually changed. You don't they, have to do headspace and timing anymore, which is mind-blowing to yeah, me. But Wait, is that true? Yes, it's totally true. Right. Oh, near, so I haven't... It, in an infantry unit since 2011, so I was not aware of that. Yeah, it's it, it happened after I got out. The only reason I know that's because uh, Nick told me, and he he's like, "Yeah, you just put the barrel in, and it's good to go." I'm like, "God damn it!" <laughs> I know. We. I think that's the only reason I never actually went for my EIBs because I was terrified of trying to having to assemble, reassemble, and do a function check on the 50 cal because, like, you've got that little gauge thing and you're supposed to stick it in and then twist and then stick it in again. And, dude, I, I can barely fuck. Never mind fix a 50 cal, though. So. <laughs> um, the sticking in with the thing and it just wasn't going to work. Yeah, it's definitely a product of its time, which is like World War one ish like it's it's a fucking oldest shit gun it's i believe it's from the 1930s so it's after world war one but it's still old as dog shit um but yeah they didn't even train on the damn thing before they set out um and so this obviously wasn't a ship that was ready to defend itself which was unfortunately exactly what they're about to have to do on the 23rd Three North Korean torpedo boats approached them and demanded to know who the fuck the Pueblo was. When challenged, the Pueblo ran up an American flag. Uh, the captain was hoping that this would be enough to scare them off. Like, hey, don't fuck with us. We're American. The North Koreans, like they did then, as much as they do today, have no fucks to give about that. Um, and the North Korean military, especially during like the height of the Cold War and like Americans being on the DMZ, they were notoriously confrontational. Like there was an incident one time that they literally beat an American soldier to death with sticks and branches and shit because they cut down a tree near their DMZ. Like they did not give a fuck about any of this. Um, I think it was yeah, called Operation yeah. Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Yeah. They're notoriously uh, a bit cunty, uh, some would say. Um, so the, the flag did not scare them off. The North Korean Navy was already in, in 1968 years behind the time. They'd, they, they did not have like a, a, a blue water Navy. They had a, a coastal Navy at best. The torpedo boats, uh, you know, converted uh, cargo ships and shit like that. Um, but they knew they were also dealing with a ship all by itself. So they were willing to throw down. Um, and not, not to mention that attack on South Korea the day before – there's a really good chance the North Korean sailors thought they were about to be at war. Like, I mean, if you th- if you thought the U.S. was dumb for not telling um, the Pueblo that the attack just happened, there's very little chance that the North Korean sailors knew about it. 
Um, so with that, the order the American ship to stand down and surrender. Of course, Captain Butcher was wasn't about to do that and order his ship to run for it. One problem, though, remember how I said it was a converted cargo ship? The Pueblo was slow as fuck. Uh, cargo ships aren't exactly known for their speed. Uh, soon the North Korean boats are uh, sailing circles around them and shooting at it. Um, as for things, uh, like if things couldn't get any worse, four jets soon ch- ch- began chasing them and shooting at them. Um, they're like running away at the speed of smell. Like they, they're just getting shot to shit. Um, as you can imagine, while running uh, for their lives uh, with a bunch of pissed off North Koreans shooting at them, the first thing Captain Butch does is radio for help. Um, and and he had been for quite a while, actually. Um, they had been talking with the Naval Security Group located back in Japan, and the 7th U.S. Fleet was tracking the entire situation. Captain Butcher was promised air cover. So the crew knew they had just to hold off a little bit longer, like zig and zag and shit. Soon the cavalry will show up and everything will be okay. But this story being what it is, this is where I could tell you, but wait, it gets worse. Um, you know the air support never showed up. Otherwise, this wouldn't have happened. Um, there, this is for a lot of reasons. All of them bad. So even though command knew the Pueblo was going into what is kind of enemy waters, the U.S. 5th Air Force had zero jets ready to fly if they needed them. And the Naval Security Group it had an aircraft carrier 500 miles away. That's 500 miles. I mean, that's far away, but a jet can cover that pretty goddamn fast, right? wrong as shit well <laughs> uh so the uss enterprises jets uh that that were on board were not equipped to attack ground targets they're only attack uh, equipped to attack air targets not entirely sure why but um the report said that they would have to take an entire hour and a half to switch out the weapon system so they could attack ground targets I think this is what you call goat rodeo. It gets worse. So Japan. Oh, wait, hold on. Can I use my one Navy joke since I said goat? Go ahead. Okay. So why does the Navy bring goats on ships? Uh, I knew we weren't going to get through this without a Navy joke. Why? <laughs> uh, because, oh, wait, I fucked the joke up. <laughs> oh, God damn, damn it. it. So the joke is, why does the Navy bring Marines on ships? And the punchline is because goats would be too obvious, but I completely fucked that up. So in hindsight, I really marined that joke. <laughs> Which is probably the most on-brand sentence of the episode so far. Yes. So if you were to like want a uh, like an air wing nearby, like Japan is not too far away from from North Korean waters. These jets should be able to cover them pretty fast. Like you would assume that like an air force unit on Japan or in Japan could get jets up and ready, right? Pretty fast. You would hope. Problem. This is 1960s. What was the U.S. Air Force mostly doing in the 1960s? Flying around in circles with nukes, right? So I thought you were going to say smoking weed. Also, yes. Uh, (laughs) Very true. Um, So the entire air wing that was on Japan were only armed with nuclear bombs. (laughs) Because uh, like their mission was to be on standby in case any kind of Soviet nuclear strike happened, um, so they could immediately respond. So like they couldn't; these jets were completely useless to the situation. Um, in the meantime, the North Korean Navy decided to end this bullshit and then attempted to board the Pueblo. Uh, 
Captain Butcher wasn't having any of that shit and decided to ram his shitty cargo ship into the torpedo boat when they got close. Uh, Another boat got close and he swerved with that one too. Finally, the North Koreans backed off and uh, just assuming maybe the captain's drunk or crazy or whatever um, because this seemingly unarmed cargo ship would not surrender despite being shot at. Uh, They backed off for a reason though. That was so they could use a fucking cannon. Uh, they fired a 57 millimeter shell that slammed uh, into the Pueblo and set it on fire. Um, the second shot exploded near the rear of the ship and killed fireman Dwayne Hodges. Um, so according to an NPR article titled Remembering North Korea's Audacious Capture of the USS Pueblo, the same 57 millimeter captain, uh, cannon that killed Hodges hit Marine Staff Sergeant Bob Chica squarely in the dick. <laughs> and blew his dick and balls off. <laughs> Wait, you're not making that up. No, I am not making that up. Bob Shika, at the time of writing the article, was still alive and told the fucking story. He got hit square in the dick with a cannon shell, and he did not fucking die. <laughs> now... Uh, imagine you get hit in the dick with a cannon shell and like he continued like manning the ship and everything with his dick and balls completely shorn off (laughs) so i I, that is the most marine thing i've ever heard in my life i'm i'm absolutely uh despondent that that wasn't part of like marine corps history going through paris island because that that I mean, that's more motivating than, I don't know, some fucking, the the first sergeant major of the Marine Corps. Like, that's fucking awesome. I'm pretty pissed off that it's like, you guys don't learn about Tun Tavern, then immediately Bob Sheikah's dick and balls. Like, just <laughs> after that, like, enshrine, like, the captain of the French Foreign Legion's hand in a fucking memorial somewhere. Um, so, Sheikah, who had actually been manning the radios this whole time, even after he got hit, uh, still thought everybody... Uh, like uh, he still thought the whole navy was coming to help them, and apparently so did everybody else on the ship. Like, don't worry, guys, everything will be all right. Dwayne might be dead, and Bob might be missing his dick, but the but the cavalry's coming. No help would ever be sent. Uh, finally, Boucher admitted that they uh, were completely fucked, and uh, he ordered the crew to start destroying everything in sight. Uh, remember, he's a captain of a spy ship, surrounded by huge amounts of deeply confidential equipment that under no circumstances was he allowed to fall in enemy hands. Um, there's only one problem. The Pueblo had so much top-secret info, there's no way they could possibly destroy all of it, unless they blew up the entire fucking ship, which obviously they weren't going to do. To make matters worse, for some reason, Lieutenant Steve Harris, who was the lieutenant in charge of all of this information on the ship, had a really bad habit of keeping a ton of shit nearby um, that he didn't need. Most of it was old classified information that was out of date, but he kept it all on the ship. Um, According to an NSA report afterwards, Harris swears that he was just trying to... uh, get his office organized, but instead he ended up with quote, an excessive amount of highly classified copies on board. Um, so he, he was quite possibly the worst OPSEC officer in Naval history. Um, because of this and because of the fact that they're actively attempting to fight a fire on the ship, that had now engulfed about half of it. And they were trying their hardest to not get shot. Uh, very sensitive, 
a very little sensitive information was actually destroyed. Um, I think the NSA said that they uh, the North Koreans would end up capturing 80% of everything on board intact. Um, so not such a good job there cleaning up the, uh, the top secret info. That's what you get for leaving a lieutenant in charge of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Steve's like, we, a real we asshole. Seen that coming. <laughs> fuck, fuck Steve. He, he's that guy that, so have you ever had like a roommate that you were like really good friends with? And, um, no, <laughs> so like, <laughs> and, and like or, or like a friend and the, they have a roommate and their apartment's always a fucking mess and they just blame it on the roommate like no nah, the roommate's the dirty one i'm really i'm fine but then you quickly realize like when they hang out at your place like oh no my friend's the dirty asshole that's steve like he was just blaming all this mess on the last guy that was there and he's like, i'm totally gonna get it all organized everything's gonna be fine and it was steve was the fucking problem steve steve no, is always steve, the fucking Steve's problem the yeah I had a roommate. I lived in a, an apartment. My first apartment I ever lived in by myself uh, was with this like 40 year old stoner woman and this really <laughs> nice, uh, this really nice gay kid. And the gay kid was like very, very clean and meticulous. And the 40 year old stoner uh, was the exact opposite. And I was at this time like this, just like alcoholic straight edge. They're not like an alcoholic hardcore kid. And, um, it always made for the most interesting parties whenever any of us would have like an individual party with like our friends and then they'd have to intermingle. So like I'd have all my stupid hardcore friends over and there'd be like the 40 year old stoner woman trying to hang out or like there'd be like Euro dance parties when the gay roommate would have his friends over and the stoner woman would just be like, you guys want my drugs? And um, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with the story, but uh, roommates suck. I'm so glad you say, to What you're saying have- is you kind of accidentally live with a drug dealer once. <laughs> yes and we've all been there sometimes he's just dead that's all right uh (laughs) um so like most people in this situation um boosters saw absolutely no way he was going to get out of this without getting more crew killed uh he already had one dead um so he surrendered koreans boarded the ship tied them up and soon they started sailing towards north korea so here's the rub of the whole thing that continues to this day was the pueblo in north korean waters the Koreans insist it was. Obviously, we insist it was not. Um, this this is why the Koreans attacked it in the first place. Um, while the U.S. swears up and down, the cl- closest the Pueblo was allowed to get with his, was within one nautical mile of North Korean waters. Uh, combine that with the fact that the crew is pretty damn bad at navigating, that kind of throws everything up in the air. They could have just been lost. Um, so since North Korea has a tendency to be very North Korean about international norms so like like we talked about earlier the standard for uh international water demarcation boundaries is about 12 miles off the coast um this means that the pueblo would be in the clear um and this is the same standard tactic that the u.s and the ussr have been using to spy on each other for years north korea however because they're the special children of the world insist that they're Boundary actually goes out 50 miles uh, because when you are ruled by a dictator who said he was born on a mountaintop under double rainbows and invented hamburgers, facts really don't matter all that much. Um, mm. Also, I think they said he doesn't poop, which is weird. <laughs> no, you're no, no. You are just quoting the movie, uh, the interview starring Seth Rogen, uh, which is where that came from. I don't know what's real and what's not anymore when it comes to Kim Jong-un. 
I, uh, I I insist that he doesn't poop. He his he if you can't tell from his sleek athletic frame, his internal organs wor- work so efficiently that he just doesn't need to. Instead of a butthole, it's just smooth skin. Um can we talk about though, even though it's slightly problematic, uh the interview is actually a really good movie. I actually really did enjoy it, but I had I kind of have a notoriously bad taste in movies. So like I thought it was fucking hilarious. Sure, I mean Maybe the the lead up to it with the hacking and uh, you know North Korea literally threatening war over a fucking Seth Rogen movie made me enjoy it a little bit more, but I still thought it was fucking funny. Yeah, and uh, I I definitely have a big old man crush on James Franco, and I think he absolutely murdered in that film. So uh, yeah. I was a huge fan. I I have a love hate relationship with James Franco because every time I see a movie with, like The Dictator with him in it, I'm like, this movie's this. This is why, or like Pineapple Express, or uh, like the, uh, what was the one where they all played exaggerated versions of themselves, and then the devil came up through L.A. Uh, and, uh, this is the end. Yeah, I like all those movies, and then he does that weird Spring Breaker movie where he plays fucking. Post Malone, oh, uh, <laughs> Cancun. No, not Post Malone. He plays no riffraff. No, it's riffraff. Yeah, Riffraff, yeah. Uh, whatever, they're both <laughs> shitty white SoundCloud rappers. They're all the same. <laughs> they look like a the Trix rabbit got fucking fucked by a radioactive reactor or something. I don't know, but it looks stupid. But like yeah, he makes all these good movies and he does that. You're like, why? And you know, I actually sat through that entire fucking movie and I paid for it and I hated myself for it. Yeah. Um, no, and the interview also has Lizzie Kaplan, who is my my probably biggest celebrity crush. So that that movie is uh, nine out of ten stars for me. Oh yeah, she's great in everything. Um, but before yep. we talk, before Honey we talk about more awful Hollywood movies that we like, um, oh, oh fuck, Masters of Sex. That's what Lizzie Kaplan's really good in. Is I think it's on Showtime yes. or HBO. It's really yes. good. Um, so anyway, back on topic. Bad at segues there. Um, uh, North Korea has their own idea of where their boundary meets. So to, to this day, both sides disagree on if the Pueblo is breaking the law or not. Well, they were still a spy ship, but Hey, whatever. Um, so, uh, officials back in Japan had to be wondering what the fuck was going on. It would take a full five days and a high, uh, so like back in the day, you know, the, like the SR 71 blackbird, uh, flights and, uh, like high altitude reconnaissance flights, those are mostly operated by the CIA. It, re- it would require a high altitude CIA recon flight for the first uh, official confirmation that the ship had actually been captured five days later. Um, once the shock passed, the response in Washington, D.C. was as insane and unhinged as you can possibly imagine. Um, there's a congressman named Mendel Rivers of California said that we should offer an ultimatum to North Korea to either return its ship and crew unharmed, which obviously at this point that was already impossible, or get fucking nuked. <laughs> um, That's a reasonable escalation of force. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of on brand for Rivers. Uh, he's certifiably nuts. He was a segregationist who voted on every sing- uh, civil rights bill he ever saw, and he was one of the people responsible for the escalation of the Vietnam War when the... Um, my Lai massacre happened. He refused to accept U.S. soldiers would do such a thing and was actually a central figure in the cover-up. Uh, he was one of the people who called the warrant officer who flew the um, the the Huey helicopter to separate U.S. soldiers from Vietnamese civilians and, and stop the massacre. He called him a liar and a war criminal. The guy who stopped it. So Mendel Rivers. Yeah. Kind uh, of a fucking asshole. 
Yeah, he was also good friends with George Wallace. So, you know, uh, that should tell you everything <laughs> you need to know about him. Yeah. Uh, other people wanted to strip invade North Korea to free the crew. Surprisingly enough, the South Korean government also fell into this camp. Though, I mean, the, the Pueblo was really just the icing on the cake. Because remember, they almost just had their head of state get murked. So they were still a little upset. You know, a little tiffed at the North Korea. Um, another plan was the blockade of the Wonsan port where the ship was being held. But they decided that, that would invite direct conflict. Someone suggested they just seize North Korean ships in the high seas. But, you know, it's, it's funny for all the reasons that could have been problematic, like, you know, it's an act of war of whatever. But it was actually shot down because they thought North Korea cared so little for their people. They wouldn't actually give a shit. Which uh, actually is probably a fair point, to be it, honest. It really is, because like, yeah, they like rent out uh, their civilians to Russia for like timber slave mills and shit. It, it's wild, but yeah, I, I think I, I'm kind of a Warhammer nerd, but I, I truly believe that North Korea is the closest thing to the Warhammer universe that we have, where like human blood might actually power some of their machinery. That's um, yeah, it, it, it's. I just wrote a sci-fi book about a just uh, like a, a one-world central government, and I honestly think they, I still made them more progressive than North Korea on accident. They're worse than Did dystopian. You just really plug your own book. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, so President Johnson ordered a huge show of force. Twenty-five warships and two more aircraft carriers joined the USS Enterprise, and did nothing. Uh, so according to Jack Cheevers, who wrote the book Act of War, they, quote, basically steamed around in circles for several weeks and then went back to port because it got cold. <laughs> no, fair. Yeah, that, that's that's good problem solving, right? Like, let's just drive around in circles for a bit. I don't, I don't, I don't really understand what they're hoping. I, I guess it's kind of like. Uh, it wasn't that long ago where uh, North Korea was, you know, this like back when Trump said shit about fire and fury and all that. They did like this huge elephant walk, they call it, on the, the airstrip where like every single fucking jet on hand just kind of drives around together. Like they didn't even fly. They just drove around together as like a show of force. Yeah. <laughs> like, what were you hoping to achieve with this? Um. Finally, the Department of Defense had an adult in the room, and they admitted that the military rescue of the crew was pretty much out of the question. They would actually have to talk to him. That did not mean, however, that the now-captive crew of the Pueblo was going to have an easy time. Not only would their captivity be incredibly rough and violent, it would last a full 11 months. The North Koreans had a victory so large on their hands, they weren't entirely sure what to do with it. Uh, the Pueblo was the largest cache and cryptologic information to ever fall into enemy hands at this point. Um, I'm not sure what would have actually beat them. Maybe like Robert Hansen, the FBI spy being on the Soviet side. Um, it was, it was also so big that the North Koreans and the Soviet allies, uh, like it had all these shiny new examples of American intelligence technology that they never even heard of before. But there was one small problem. The North Koreans and the Soviets had no fucking idea how to, how to use it, how to work it, how to get the information out of it. That's, that's when the interrogations would start. At first, they were tame and almost kind of nice. Crew members got their own rooms, hot food, and all the medical needs uh, that they had from you know the ship being on fire, breathing in smoke, being sick, whatever. It was all taken care of. Doctors and nurses were available 24-7. 
This included taking care of any wounds they received, um, as well as cold, sore throat, and uh, one ear infection. For some reason, that's noted do, in the notes. Do Do we know if they did anything about the marine stick? Uh, well, I I think they at least stopped the bleeding because the guy's still alive. I don't think uh, the required, you know, microsurgery was available. Like he didn't get the uh, the 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 bobbit treatment of his dick and stapled back on or whatever. So the, the, the North Koreans, the, their first route was just trying to kill them with kindness, kind of like winning them over. And that didn't work because the sailors just thought they were being treated as they should. And they weren't entirely wrong. Like, I, I like that the, the, the North Korean concept of like killing them with kindness was like, we'll treat them as POWs are supposed to be treated. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah. We'll actually believe we'll actually adhere to the Geneva Convention. And they were like shocked it didn't work. Because <laughs> like the the sailors are being treated by the North Korean civilians, and the, the I don't understand how come they have not seen the the power and beauty of Juche. Uh, <laughs> that is when North Koreans decided to go full action movie villain on the crew. They were moved to a place that was dubbed the barn. It was a cold, uh, shitty concrete building with like dank cells, uh, like dirt floor shit like that. Uh, their diet changed as well. Gone was the actual edible food, and instead they were given raw turnips and foul-smelling fish that they called sewer trout. <laughs> yeah. They, they thought they were actually logs of shit. Uh, that's my nickname for my penis, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like you should take a shower. <laughs> Uh, another thing that was gone was normal medical care. Uh, one man uh, ended up like his tonsils got infected and he had to have him removed. And the North Koreans were nice enough to provide him with that surgery. Missing one thing. Anesthetic. They just ripped his fucking tonsils out of his throat. Uh, not only yeah. did like this weird, horrible medical shit happen. They were also beaten almost every day. Nearly interrupt- uninterrupted for a year. Uh, so... Uh, the the survivors on the crew obviously don't like to really talk about what happened, but the NSA helpfully has an entire dossier on the event, and I got my hands on it. So the techniques that the North Koreans like to use, according to the report, uh, include making crew members walk around the floor on their knees, and that was after the North Koreans put dry rice on the floor, so it'd like embed in their knees and like and shit like that, and pebbles and rocks. Uh, making crew members hold chairs over their heads for long periods of time, forcing crew to sit in straight chairs at, at the position of attention for lengthy periods. And if they move, they'd be beaten required crew members to get down on their knees, with their back straight lean backwards for hours with a two by four piece of wood placed between their thighs and calves, exploiting the element of fear by creating noises in the adjoining room with sound as though their other crew members were being killed. Slapping and punching crewmen and, and butt stroking them with rifles, holding crew, uh, holding guns to crewmen's head and threatening to kill them, telling crew members that they might as well confess because the North Koreans had captured everything anyway. The North North or the sorry, the U.S. government had tricked the crew into thinking that North Korea was evil, uh, which North Korea had done a hell of a job proving the U.S. government correct in that, by the way. Um, they also told the crews they'd be shot if they did not confess. Uh, can we just talk about how if if and I don't know about you because you're you're pretty badass, but if I was ever a, a POW, <laughs> I would 
I would sing like a fucking canary. They, so they would be like, hey, listen, why don't you come into this room for a second? And I'd be like, wait, are you, are you going to torture me right now? And they'd be like, no, no, just come here for a second. I'd be like, hey, uh, these guys know everything. Like that guy right there, that's my best friend. He knows where everything yeah. is. Yeah. I would, I can't. Uh-uh, no, I would sing. I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. Just fucking, I, I will become North Korean. I will live with you guys. Make me your king and I will give you everything you need to know. Yeah, I mean, everybody fucking talks. Everybody. Uh, and that's the, that's the thing. Every single member of the um, Pueblo confessed eventually. I mean, there's and there's stories of uh, like POWs from Vietnam saying the same thing. Like they'd get brought to the Hanoi Hotel, or sorry, the Hanoi Hilton. And it was pretty much accepted that everybody was going to sign a bullshit confession, say whatever they wanted and say so that pain would stop. Um, but like the the rule of uh, of like the POWs, like you kind of had to make them er- make them earn it. Like you had to get tortured, and then you were allowed to sing. And it, it, everybody talks, fucking everybody. I mean, these guys were getting the shit kicked out of them, getting their fingers broken, uh, not allowed to sleep, being fed shit fish, uh, you know, getting their fingernails ripped out, all sorts of other awful shit. And I mean, tons of mock executions too, which have to be f- just mind alteringly terrifying. And I mean, it's North Korea. You have to assume they're eventually just going to shoot you. But yeah, they went through dozens of them. And Captain yeah, I think the Boucher hope is that the they thing. just kill you quickly. Yeah, I think that's what all of them were probably hoping in the end. But when they finally broke and um, Captain Boucher was one of the people that finally broke after mock executions. Um, he 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 personally, because they knew he was in charge, went through uh, at least two dozen of them. And he was psychologically tortured to the point of like near incoherence. Like uh, other crew members said, like he would just wander around his cell and walk into walls and shit. Like he, they literally broke him mentally. Um, the one of the ship's officers, Lieutenant Eddie Murphy, uh, was was beaten so badly his ear was torn off. No, not that Eddie Murphy. But now, now that I have that image in your mind, imagine how much funnier this whole story would be if Eddie Murphy in like the full crump, like clump fat suit was just getting the shit beat out of him by North Koreans. Uh, so eventually all the sailors broke down because, of course, they did. Uh, they told the North Koreans everything they wanted to know. They signed confessions. They went on tape about it, things like that. Um, and they told the North Koreans everything that they want to know about the equipment on the ship. The NSA, for obvious reasons, did not go into detail on what exactly the North Koreans figured out, but they did say it was significant, uh, which I assume is like intelligent wonk ease for like everything. They just know everything. Um, Another thing that the North Koreans wanted was an admission that the crew had been North Korean waters. I mean, obviously, the North Koreans didn't want to look like the bad guys here, you know, torturing and murdering aside. Um, uh, they wanted it to look like the the Americans had fucked up, been in their water, and they were just defending themselves. So North Korean wa- uh, North Korean propaganda uh, campaign sprouted up around the sailors, and it's really fucking bizarre to watch some of these movies. Um, they were made to recreate the capture of their own ship. Uh, in another, they were toured around North Korea, where they performed just like fucking random exercise routines for North Korean citizens and children. Like they were brought to a school and just made to do PT in front of kids. It was like Ripley's Believe It or Not before Ripley's Believe It or Not was a thing. Yeah, they were they were literally a human zoo. Like, look, we captured these white folks. Now watch them do push-ups. <laughs> imagine how must how fucking insane it must have been like to go through this whirlwind thinking you're about to be executed, only to be brought out in front of some like starving farmers and forced to do jazzercise or some shit instead. 
I, I really hope they actually were made to do jazzercise because that would make this very sad story actually kind of comedic. Um, <laughs> but I'm guessing they didn't do anything nearly as sexual as, uh, you know, Just hip gyrations vigor- while wearing Vigorous hip arts. thrusting. Vigorous hip yeah, thrusting. Lots of, lots of hip thrusts. Now I'm going to do squat thrusts around the oxen. Now watch. And just ima- imagine everybody I'm wearing probably ranger panties just doing the weirdest shit possible in the middle of some random field outside of Pyongyang. Uh, they, they're also made to like write, uh, write letters home, sign false confessions. Um, and like most of the confession are just like how great North Korea was, <laughs> which is weird. Um, North Koreans also enjoyed filming the sailors watching propaganda films so they could try to frame it as like, look, they see the light. They're coming over to our side. Soon they'll worship the one true God, the Kim family. Uh, in one of these movies, one of the sailors gave the camera the middle finger. Uh, they probably assumed they were going to get their asses kicked like so many times before, but they didn't. It quickly became clear that the middle finger did not translate across cultures and languages. The North Koreans had no idea what it was. So the middle finger kind of became the sailor's main propaganda tool against their own captors. One sailor said, quote, anytime a camera appeared, so did the fingers. There's literally dozens of pictures of them doing this everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah. So but all good obvi- things must come to an end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't go well. Uh, uh, when asked what they were doing, because obviously the North Koreans like, oh, why are all these assholes putting up one finger? This obviously means something. They told their captors the finger was simply a Hawaiian good luck sign and the North Koreans bought it. Since the North Koreans thought nothing of it, they published their propaganda. So everybody in the U.S. promptly laughed in their fucking faces. Unfortunately, the propaganda was republished in Time Magazine, who put a picture of the sailors on the cover flipping off their cappers and a full spread about and laying out in very obvious terms what the middle finger actually meant. Uh, because North Koreans have spies instead of the Soviets, and they're not stupid, they eventually got their hands on a copy of the magazine that narked them the fuck out. And the sailors got so viciously beat that they nicknamed the extended torture Hell Week. Thanks, Time, you fucking assholes. Um, I mean, imagine you, you've been so horribly tortured at this point that this week sticks out in your mind and almost a year of being brutally tortured. Um, yeah, that's, um, bad. (laughs) It's it's not great. It's not good. Um, but the real award for telling the cappers to go fuck off definitely goes to captain Boucher up until, um, almost the very end. He had refused to admit any mistakes or say that his ship was in Korean waters. He finally caved when he was told that his sailors would be executed one at a time until he did so. And his confession is a thing of beauty. <laughs> so it starts with, quote, a confess. So, okay, before I start the quote, it's going to sound ridiculous and it's not going to make sense. I promise I'm saying it correctly. Um, quote, a final confession in intent in anticipation of leniency for my crew and myself for the heinous crimes perpetrated by ourselves while conducting horrible outrages against the democratic people's Republic of Korea and the purpose of provocate provocating and annoying those stalwarts of peace, loving humanity. The absolute truth of this bowel wrenching confession is attested to by my fervent desire to pee on the North Korean people's army and Navy and their government and to beseech the Korean people to forgive our dastardly deeds unmatched since Attila. Therefore, I, I swear upon the following account to be true on the sacred honor, honor of the great speckled bird. 
as you can tell, he's just fucking rambling and it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, and I, I love how he he put pain and pronounced it as peon. Yes. Um, which was a nice little uh, bit that the Koreans wouldn't understand because they would just read the word and not understand that he was pronouncing it as if he wanted to pee on them. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that they that the North Koreans probably had a few minders who spoke f- fluent-ish English, but their comprehension level was pretty low. So he could see where the fuck you wanted and he could get away with it. Yeah. He also could combine the I'm, words together and they wouldn't notice. <laughs> right. I, I'm interested in knowing what he meant by the great speckled bird. I'm, I'm wondering, like, I don't. I have no idea. I think it's just supposed to be fucking ridiculous. I I mean, I think, and he has said as much that he purposely went out of his way to make make his confession so outrageously ridiculous that everybody would know he was forced to write it or that not, if that didn't work, that, um, that, that maybe the, it was prepared by the North Koreans because it made no sense. Um, right. But there, there he is on stage on camera saying he wants to piss on North Korea. And then, it gets even better because he ends the ridiculous speech with "So help me, Hannah." <laughs> Which, so help me, Hannah. What the yeah. fuck does that mean? I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it meant anything, and I think that's what made it so funny is that he was he was quite literally saying "fuck you" to the North Koreans without saying "fuck you," and they just kind of went along with it. I mean, imagine there's probably like multiple generals and propaganda officers in the room. There's cameras pointing. And there's a microphone in his face. I'm gonna piss on all you motherfuckers. <laughs> So uh, back with uh, U.S. and Korean diplomats who are negotiating the, re- the release of the crew, things were not going all that well. The Koreans wanted the U.S. to sign a paper admitting everything they did was wrong and they would never do it again. And they absolutely refused to negotiate anything else. It's like speaking to a child. Like you're just trying to ask them, like they're demanding pizza and you try to explain them why they can't get pizza. And they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. I want pizza. And it just goes in circles for hours. Or in this case, almost yeah, you a year. don't have children, so you don't know how fucking miserable that is. So I don't even <laughs> want to hear it out of you. I, I'm just assuming. I feel like it's a it's a it's a good comparison. Except you know now now imagine your kid is like going to shoot you if you don't listen. Uh, so finally, the U.S. just said, "Fuck it. It's only a piece of paper. We'll fucking sign it." So they signed it, and then immediately afterward, they announced they only did to get the crew back, and the U.S. had done nothing wrong. So. You see, the North Koreans had actually forgot to put an in- integral, no takesies backsies clause in the agreement like a bunch of fucking amateurs. Yep. They forgot that fingers crossed meant that it never actually happened and they yep. didn't put no crossies. Yeah. Fucking beginner mistake. Uh, on the yep. 23rd of December, 1968, the crew, along with the body of Fireman Hodges, was released across the Pamujin Bridge, also known as the Bridge of Known Return. And Do we know if the penis of the Marine crossed the bridge as well, or was that not? Uh, it was buried with full honors. Yeah, buried with full honors. No, no, no. In case <laughs> was anybody, it, was uh, the flag at full staff or half staff? <laughs> well, unfortunately, <laughs> all accounts say it's a pretty small staff. Um, honestly, his, oh. his dick must have been just a fucking the size of a human thigh for a cannon to hit it and not kill him. Like, if a cannon hits me in the dick. It's going to take off my lower body too, right? Like, but his nothing but dick. <laughs> nothing but dick. Just clear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, I, I know this is sick, but I'm trying to imagine the visual of this guy just fucking swinging three sheets to the wind. It only made things worse that Bob insisted working without pants on. Just bottomless all the time. His just socks and boots. Um, 
dick tucked into one boot. Um, it was, so when they got back to the States, uh, the military being the, the wonderful arbiters of, of free thinking and understanding that they are immediately attempted to do court martial fucking everybody. Uh, they were immediately marched out for a, what's known as a Navy court of inquiry, which I assume is like a grand jury. They were recommended for court martial for failing to destroy all the sensitive information aboard and for surrendering without a fight. The only thing that saved their asses was Secretary of the Navy John Chaffee, who rejected the recommendation. And it's not because he didn't agree with it. He actually completely agreed with the Board of Inquiry. But he simply insisted they had suffered enough. <laughs> Which I think is a fair assessment that they uh, you know, spent over a year in captivity getting their literal shit kicked out of them. Yeah, I mean, I guess if if nobody's not like going to stick up for me after all that, I'll I'll take like pity if it means me not going to prison after just spending a, right. almost a year in North Korean prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pity is pity is okay with me. I'll take pity. I'll take pity sex. I'll take uh, <laughs> pity kindness. I mean, pity pity works for me. I'll take a, a, a pity snuggle at this point. Uh, so uh, Butcher would uh, actually continue without incident uh, in the Navy until he retired. And he ended up writing a book about it because apparently he was also a Navy SEAL. Oh, yeah. Uh, That was my one dig at SEALs. Um, Speaking of retired, the Pueblo still isn't. It is still commissioned as a ship in the U.S. Navy, being the only one captured since the War of 1812. It now sits moored as a tourist trap on the Botong River in Pyongyang as part of the Fatherland Liberation War Museum. Which they definitely... You know, I, I take back my digs on naming stuff. They definitely have much more flair to their naming of the museum. The only thing missing is like the fatherland diplomatic war of liberation peoples. Like, I don't know. Let's add more fucking words in there. And uh, finish off with in honor of our great leader, Kim jong Weiss's tale. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it's really sad that his dad, Lil Kim, died. But, you know, she... <laughs> He didn't do such a great job in North Korea. But anyway, <laughs> that is our fucking ridiculous episode. <laughs> Since we've now turned the entire Kim family into what I'm assuming is some kind of rap dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah, rap dynasty that's just holding a Marine's dick hostage to this day. And we'll get it back just like we'll get the boat. Anyway, uh, Justin, thank you for taking time on your day to come on. I know it's late over there and I know you're about to go to a hockey game, but thank you for being my co-host today since mine is still trapped in California. My pleasure is always Joe. Thank you. Uh, do you have, uh, w- feel free to plug your pluggables if you have any, um, beerweektalk.com is the website for beer week talk. Um, I am captain Disney on Twitter. Uh, and you know, actually, fuck all that stuff. If you need a Disney vacation, I do Disney vacations on the side. Hit so there me up you go. and I'll, I'll hook you up. That's yep. what I want to plug because that actually makes me money. All right. There you go. All right. So for everybody else, thank you for coming by this week and we'll see you next week. Later. Hi, this is Nate Bethay and I'm the producer of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. This show is brought to you by Audible. And as it just so happens, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash donkeys and browse the selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash donkeys to get started.